You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul. His name is Rob. And <laughs> the way you said that, I thought you were going to say your last name for some reason. No, I was, I was actually was like, thinking of, I was thinking about just rolling with the sentence because I wanted to say that today's question, uh, which is kind of about, you know, seeing illegal acts on YouTube and understanding what is and what isn't legal. I'd like to ask a bigger kind of more macro question hmm. uh, around that. So cool. if you're not in for an intellectual conversation and you want a simple answer as to are these flights that are over a mile long on YouTube legal? The answer is no, they're not legal. And yes, the FAA is actually doing something about it. But let's talk about something more important than that. Um, so I think today's question is actually gonna be quite a fun conversation. Hopefully that you guys enjoy uh, some good esoteric knowledge as we would call it. But before we get into today's question, Really quick, um, you know that we are very finicky about who we allow to sponsor the show, and we only allow people to sponsor the show in whom we believe. And we've learned the hard way that we <laughs> might even need to be a little more diligent than we were in the beginning. But. Yeah, we thought we were good about it, but guess not. Anyway, we are sticking to what we know, which is we know that we can trust ourselves and our team because of the systems that we've developed. So what we're doing for this sponsor is we are showcasing our brand new mini landing pads. They finally came in a few months late. Now, if you fly a Mavic Pro, a Mavic 2 Pro, Mavic 2 Zoom, let's say that you fly the Mavic 2 Air or a Mavic Air, let's say you fly the Evo, the Evo 2 Pro, let's say you fly the Skydio, let's say that you fly Mavic Mini, whatever drone that you fly, if it's smaller than a Phantom, you're really gonna want to take a look at these mini landing pads. Now these landing pads not only protect your drone, but these pads actually also fold up and fit in your backpack. So if you want your drone to last longer, if you want to take off and you don't want things to get all over your lens and ruin that perfect shot that you had set up, well, then you're gonna want a landing pad. If you want your drone to look really cool on takeoff and landing shots on Instagram, well, then you're gonna want a landing pad. But more importantly, if you wanna become the best pilot possible and you're thinking about attending DroneU's new virtual reality class, well, then you need a landing pad because you cannot complete four of the exercises unless you have a landing pad. Which brings me to why are we actually having a landing pad sponsor the show? Well, if you want just a landing pad, then you can literally blow up the video if you're listening to this on YouTube you can blow up the video use your phone and you can scan this QR code behind Rob and I and you can pick up a landing pad um, they're 37 right 37 dollars 37 bucks 37 dollars for a landing pad pretty cheap don't forget they float so if you want to join us though because you want to become a better pilot you want to systematically reduce liability you want to become a better pilot, not just to make other people happy, but because you want to crush the competition. You want to enjoy those shots. And you want to have more and more shots that as you go home and watch your footage, you're like, ooh, that's perfect. Well, if you're like me and you want to reduce liability, increase your skill, and earn an educational rate with Skywatch, then you're not going to want to miss DroneU's brand new virtual reality flight mastery. This is how we bring our 
how do I say this? I mean, this course is required by multiple government agencies. It's required by certain industry associations in other countries. So it must be pretty good, right? It must teach you some things that, well, would help you stop flyaway, understand orientation loss without telemetry, understand how to understand if you're going to have a safe flight from the first 30 seconds of flight. Well, if you're like me and you just don't want to worry about the competition, you want to get shots they can't get. You want to do it in a safe manner that doesn't push your risk beyond your skill envelope, then you're going to want to join DroneU for our virtual flight mastery class. As long as you have a backyard and a 50 foot by 50 foot section of grass or something to fly over and in, well, guess what? then you're in the right place. Because with the mini landing pad, you can actually take all of DroneU's exercises on a live telecast class, and you can go through the entire course, all 12 exercises, and you can go through it with me. You can see my screen on your feed. And because it's a live production, you can see multiple camera views to see how I'm flying, how the drone is reacting in real space. But let's take it further. How do we actually know that you retain the information? How do we know that you're actually a good pilot? We want to see how you fly. So after you attend the course and after you set up your drone in a more, well, personalized way for you, you're going to plug in your remote with your settings to your computer. You're going to download DroneU's brand new virtual reality software, and you're going to fly your drone with your settings on our obstacle course. And then once you fly that course, you'll either earn or you won't the educational rates for being a skilled pilot. If you're like me and you know that you're top gun grade, that it's time to prove it. Join us for our very first flight mastery in virtual reality. Hey guys, I love all the content you guys put out. I have this visual line of sight question. I just watched a video from somebody I subscribe to. He does a lot of range test videos with drones. And most of the ones I've seen were from a long time ago where I, Pretty sure the visual line of sight stuff didn't really apply, but he's put out a couple videos recently that I've seen. The Autel Evo 2 he just posted, he flew just over a mile away, also through some low clouds. So I don't think that's legal just on the cloud side alone. And then he has a Mavic Mini range test. He flew over 18,000 feet into the sun. Even if he had lights on that Mavic Mini, I highly doubt he could still see it from that far away. I'm pretty sure he did not have lights on the Evo 2, though I wasn't exactly 100% sure on that. I know I have lights on my pair of Anafi, and I can see it to about 2,000 feet, and that's about as far as I can go. Without the lights, I can't see it that far. So, unless he's got a waiver from visual line of sight, is there anything else that could be considered legal for this flight? My understanding is it's a lot harder for the average person to get a waiver for visual line of sight. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mark. Great question. You know, I, uh, uh oh, no, What's we're, so good. we're um, good. I think I know who he's talking about. I won't name the person because I don't want to give him the uh, publicity, but I saw, um, you can just text me, I'll, text I'll have to me and find chat. it. I'll have text to find chat it who you, who, on who YouTube, and I'm pretty sure I know who it is because I saw him doing this and I just thought, wow, how is he getting away with this? I mean, it's blatant. Anyways, to Mark's question. Yes. Is there anything legal about what this guy's doing without the BVLS? Well, let's ask a okay. First of all, let's ask the te let's answer the technical question that he's asking. Okay. Okay. VLOS is VLOS really defined in the FAA's 
uh, regulatory body. Not to my knowledge, there is a technical number that says this is what visual line of sight is. Why do they not give you a technical number? Because the science behind uh, viewing distances has so many variables, meaning like if the cross section is a certain size and a certain color, viewing distance is X, Y, or Z, right? But if you change the color, the viewing distance can literally go in half. So that's, you know, when the FAA tries to come out with uh, rules and regulations, one thing I really like about the FAA is their whole risk-based performance kind of mantra, right? They can't think about what serves the aircraft that we have now. Rather, what rules can we apply that serve all sorts of aircraft, right? Like, you know, this is going to have a different wingspan than this, and this is going to fly in a different way than that. But these rules have to really apply to all of them. So how do we break this down in a system that will help people categorize and organize themselves to better understand this? Very, very good question. Um, Very good point. So again, I think it's really, really, really important to say that the FAA is trying really hard to come up with common sense solutions that serve a wide variety of people. In regards to VLOS, there's really not a formal definition. I understand a 400 millimeter cross section with a white on blue contrast is still visually possible or still visually, uh, you could still see it from about 2,250 feet away in the best conditions possible with 2020 vision. Now, again, just like our question asker said, if I have a light on there, right, I can see it much further. Again, visual acuity, right? So like we have to think contrast, all these things play a role. I would say it's very easy to argue that visual line of sight when it comes to drones is probably never more than a half mile. Um, because at 2,250 feet, 400 millimeter cross section, that's the size of a phantom. You know, 2,250 feet is definitely probably the edge of the envelope for beyond visual line of sight. Now, it's important here to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that the technical definition of VLOS probably doesn't matter that much. What matters is rather the inspector or the investigator's perception of careless and reckless flight, right? That's the catch-all for everything, just like speeding, right? You know, and It gives uh, them the ability to be subjective. Correct. Essentially. And I think it's really easy to argue that if you're beyond half a mile away, that you are definitely not safe. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there are a lot of YouTubers pushing drones, doing drone reviews. Um, The number has only skyrocketed since 2016. And frankly, you need to ask yourself, what do you expect to learn from those on YouTube? Do you expect to learn deep information from people who have worked decades in an industry who are going to give you the very real, upfront, no BS version because they don't want to propagate BS? Or do you think that they're going to give you the dramatic attention grabbing, ooh, what's that kind of ideology in their videos to give you maybe what you're looking for, but they're not giving you what you don't know that you don't know. And you'll never know what you're truly getting from them because, again, you don't know what you don't know. I think it's an important question to ask yourself about YouTube. And this goes back to the rule book of geniuses, which is you have to know your sources and you have to know the intentions of your sources to truly identify the objectivity of said source, which if we take the playbook and we apply it to this particular question, 
and we look at YouTube, it's a YouTube is built to attract attention, to keep people on YouTube, to keep people watching. Why? To keep selling ads. Mm. Thus, the people who are on YouTube are set up in a system to garnish as much attention as possible, to rack their view counts, to get more money for advertising so that they can support themselves. Nowhere in that formula is them going into a deep dive to learn something to a T in multiple different environments so that they can provide you with the best information possible for you to make the best decisions possible. They don't give a shit about you. They don't care. And then you're like, well, Paul, here you are saying this and you put, you know, your podcast on YouTube. Yeah, we do. And our podcast is free because we understand what we're doing with YouTube, right? We're trying to help people, but we're not going to give away the farm. Okay. And with YouTube, you have to ask yourself, if you see the guy blatantly breaking the law, is that something that you would do? I, I would just say based off of the person who asked the question, the chances are no. Probably not. Right? And, That's why he's asking. And I think he's probably worried about, well, what example does this set? Instead of worrying about what example it sets and the macro, what is this going to do to the industry? Because, yeah, you have a legitimate fear there. I would actually think and turn your thought process on its head and think about this. If all of those YouTubers have millions of views and they're, you know, they're doing all these illegal things, which no offense, but almost every single one of them is guilty of it. If they have these millions of views and if they're focused around getting advertising, um, well, do you think that they're always going to be acting in a legal manner? Does it matter? Now, let me ask you this question, turning the thought process on its head. Maybe all of these people watching these YouTubers and these reviews and all these people is a good thing, right? Because if millions and millions of people are not getting adequate information, we're not saying it's wrong. We're just saying, well, it just scratches the surface. It doesn't go very deep, right? So if a majority of the people are getting inadequate information, then doesn't that give the question asker an opportunity of a lifetime in knowing what's legal, in still operating under those legal pretenses, but getting shots that people can't get because number one, they don't have the skill. And number two, they don't know what they can and what they can't do. Right. So doesn't that actually offer an astronomical opportunity for people like the people who listen to this show? Yeah, it's not millions of people like iPhoneo, but guess what? I don't want an audience like iPhoneo or uh, uh, Billy, whatever his name is, and the guy who started the drone school out of his closet. Uh, I'm not going to say the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. My point is this: is you need to ask yourself. And I don't think people have been intellectually honest with themselves. And I think the example is the university system right now. Everyone's like, give us our money back. And for the longest time ever, people have been saying from universities, people have been saying, well, like whether you learn the content online or in school, the content, uh, you know, is so much better in school because you're getting that relationship, that experience. And then the virus hits and then all the colleges are like, the content is the same. It doesn't matter where you learn it. Right. So, OK, well, if the content is the same and it doesn't matter where you learn it, um, well, uh, then why pay $40,000 for an education that if the content is the same online, why are you paying 800,000 times more for the same material? Right. And then, sorry, it's just 
Yeah, let's get rid of all the buildings and yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> could save a lot of money. And we could actually, yeah, we could do a lot of cool stuff with that money instead of yeah. fe- feeding with pockets with people who just copy other content rather than pushing it further. Sure, sure. By the way, I think part of what Mark, what what I heard Mark asking also is. Just help me understand if I'm missing something. Like, okay. is there some reason why this person is doing this that makes it okay and I'm not aware of that? It's not okay. And I understand. Um, I think also we were given a heads up this morning. I can't say anything more than this, that we should be expecting a f- uh, multiple stories in the next couple of weeks about enforcements that have been happening in the wake of the virus. Um, and honestly, if people are doing stuff and they know it's illegal and they know it's wrong... I'm happy to hear about enforcements. Now, if people are doing stuff and they don't know it's wrong, I think we need to ask ourselves, how can we do a better job of getting the information out there? And so anyway, my point is, is that to answer this question, it's not legal. You have to also understand that in order for the FAA to go after someone, they want to see proof that the person who's showing those videos was actually the person flying. That's the key part, right? If the person shows themselves on the sticks, on the remote, and they're flying, send the video in because it's like, it's like uh, you know, lock them up, throw away the key, it's a closed case. And I think that's what's happening here is that this person typically only shows from here down on camera. So they know what they're doing as far as... What do you mean they're showing... They don't show. You said if you can see them and see that it is actually that person flying the drone, then mm-hmm. that's when you have something that's potentially reportable or whatever. This person never does that. It's always like that, where it's all you see are the arms. Well, yeah, but perfect example. See the watch he's wearing? If you can show him in another frame in the same watch, case closed. You just have to... You, Possibly, this, yeah. This is like, okay, uh, it's so funny because Peter reached out to me. He's like, did you see all these videos from Manhattan? They're so illegal. I'm like, well, do you have proof he was flying? He's like, no. And I was like, well, okay, well then stop blowing up my feed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I texted two of my FAA friends and I sent them the video and they're like, dot, 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 you know the rule. Can we see them flying? <laughs> so, I, you know... I don't like the fact that actually seeing these videos that Rob is like, here's the guy. I don't like the fact that he has that many uh, millions of views, but I take solace in the fact how many people don't know how to do this professionally and don't know how to do it at a high degree of quality and are not setting themselves up to be successful over time. This should give you three points of ease in your mindset. Number one, they're never going to be successful over the long run. Number two, Chances are this guy has a lot of federal people looking him up right now. Point number three, crazy opportunity for you to be successful doing it the right way. Here, here. Well said. I got to think about how I have to think about this. And I have to think about it in my evolution of my mindset over, <laughs> over the life of this. Because I'm sure if you go listen to, hopefully Tim deleted all the shows, but if you go listen back to like 200, 300, you might have a little wake up call. A little yippee ki <laughs> yeah. So um, I will uh, make sure to bring this particular person up um, to our good friends at the FAA because um, I think all of us wise pilots know that the example that we set has a has a very large bearing on the success of the industry because when people do stupid stuff like this all the time, um, you know, 
it's going to let other people think that it's okay. And I think that's the concern from, from the question asker. I think so. Yeah. And I agree with you hundred percent. Um, unfortunately you just have to know the recourse, which is you have to prove that it's him flying. And now that we've given them the formula, maybe someone will go prove that he's flying because again, it's, 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 uh, the proof is in the pudding. Trust me. The proof is in the pudding. Indeed. Because the feds could subpoena him. Okay. Hand me your drone. And if they can prove that the drone was in the place that the video took place on a day that the weather was identical and they have a timestamp from the video, which yes, it's, it's built into your metadata and they can prove that that drone owned by him and that serial number was there. And if they had to work that hard to do it, you bet your butt that your fine is going to be so much worse than you just coming clean and doing the right thing. Well, and in this particular case, they might decide that it's worth it to them because of the exposure that he's getting. Right. Well, and it's funny because just the other day I was talking to a, a drone buddy from Instagram and he was like, yeah, I was just talking to Fizdo and he told me that they're coming down super hard on someone in Philly. But then I was like, well, what is this guy doing? And he, and he sh tent showed me the videos and whatnot. And I was like, oh, no, go after him faster. Like, you know what I mean? And part of me Stop wonders, waiting. and I know that the various federal agencies listen to this show. Is there a way other than the airspace uh, uh, breach? Is there a way that we can hold pilots accountable with a law enforcement agency. I can't believe I just said that. Um, <laughs> because I've had investigations against me, right? And I've been on the flip side of this. And I love the fact that the FAA has compliance philosophy. I am the example of why compliance philosophy works. I hate to say it, but it's true. <laughs> I love that you're saying Humble that. bombs over here. I love that right? you're saying that. Uh, this is a big day. <laughs> this is a big day. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sure Gary Mar uh, Gary's going to be crying after he hears this show. Uh, anyway, uh, he was the investigator uh, assigned to me. Um, so I have been on the flip side of this. And I'm also, because I have been on the flip side of it, and I understand the ramifications that occur, that's why I'm asking the question, can we... Uh, is there some sort of breaking the law that these drone pilots do that maybe is not only suitable to the FAA, but rather a law enforcement agency? Here's what I'm saying. The FAA is only civil, so they can only write you a civil fine. The worst thing that happens is that the Treasury Department gets a hold of it, and now you never get a tax refund for 20 years. Um, and yeah, that sucks, and that's pretty bad, but for the FAA to do that is like, you must have been a freaking very mean person um, <laughs> when you were talking to them. And we're all human here, people. And these guys are just trying to do their job and you, just be nice to people. Uh, anyway, mm. my point is, is that like... Making me teary-eyed. Well, don't, don't get teary-eyed. Uh, <laughs> I hope I never regret this one day. But honestly, I do wish that there were some means, A, to further communicate with pilots on what they can and cannot do. And B, wish there was a more stringent form of enforcement, because I feel like when you combine what's going on with the 737 MAX and you're going on with what's known in the drone industry, a lot of people don't have any respect for the FAA. I mean, like it's come to the point where they're like, what are they going to do? 
how you know how many times I've heard that in the last month? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but you have to understand, like, the fact that you're thinking like that shows that you're a failure. And people are like, whoa, whoa, what? And I'm like, you're not, you're not doing this to make the feds happy. You're doing this because you want to be the best pilot possible. Yeah. You're doing this because you don't want to risk your career. And you understand in order to be the most skillful, you have to be able to identify and define risk. And you have to understand that you don't know what you don't know. And you have to understand that you may experience a problem that you don't know that you don't know. And if you don't have the right foundation set up right at that time, you're effed. And there is no going back. Yeah. And when it comes to enforcement and that that whole issue... I mean, I don't, I mean to beat a dead horse or it's, it's almost become cliche, but the reality is the resources are extremely limited relative to an industry that has just gone nuts yeah. in terms of just sheer volume. Right. So asking an agency who has not been funded to do so, to enforce that at the level that we would love to see, it's, it's not possible. At least not yet. Not right now. Not yet. Well, and I mean, don't forget when, uh, when the FBI accosted Vic. At oh, the yeah, yeah, stadium. Yeah. At the stadium, uh huh. Do you remember what he said? The agent, you mean? Yeah. No. Nine out of ten people that I see play dumb and there's nothing I can do about it. That sucks. I mean, he doesn't need to be egregious. He doesn't need to arrest them. He doesn't need to throw them in jail and ruin their life and their ability to have a job and feed their kids. But can you scare them so that they take it seriously? Why is How there nothing he can do about it? I don't understand. Because it's a civil case, not a criminal case. It's not a criminal case until a drone pilot breaches federal defense airspace. Meaning, if there's a TFR and a drone pilot flies, or if there is critical infrastructure and a drone pilot flies, that is a federal law that has been broken. That is a criminal case, not a civil case. Okay? FAA doesn't make laws. They make rules. It's regulations. Right. So when you break a rule, it's not a law enforcement issue. It's a civil issue. Got it. This is why the insurance mm. industry runs the industry or the drone industry, not the FAA. Because the FAA, when they slap their ruler, right, it's like a nun hitting you, you know, with your knuckles on the corner of the desk. It stings. It, it stings, but, you know, <laughs> after it's happened a hundred times, it only stings for like a minute or two. Right. Um, <laughs> you live through the first 99, so. Or a thousand. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> I went to Catholic school. <laughs> um, Can you imagine <laughs> that? Oh, man. Oh, I would love to bring Sister Elizabeth in here and have a conversation with her. I would, if we can make that happen. We can make it happen. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> I got to hear from Sister Elizabeth. I would get ripped in a whole new way. I've never been ripped before. <laughs> All right. Let's she, start she, a petition. But she and I are now friends, too. Just FYI. Of course. So. Of course. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> No, I mean that in a good way. I mean I know, that in a good way. I know. Anyway, um, ladies and gentlemen, if YouTubers do illegal stuff on YouTube, it doesn't make it right. But understand the audience, okay? Who are they serving? Attention getters. They want that instant gratification, right? Instant doesn't mean smart. Remember. That's a bombshell that I'm going to end on today, and it was not a very eloquent one, but thank you again for joining us. Please don't forget to submit your questions, and we really do appreciate you being here. I have to say, the part of the community that's been really active during the virus, you guys rock. It yeah. has been so much fun. Yeah, it like, has. When people are like, oh, the virus, oh, the virus, I'm like, you know, I'm really grateful because I've seen so many good things happen. I mean, we got to make the most out of whatever 
world situation we're living in, right? And the, we're seeing a lot of people do that. Be the good you wish to for see. Sure. Love it. That's going to do it for a podcast that should have taken five minutes and it took 50. My name is Paul. <laughs> My name's Rob. This is Ask Please Cronio. forgive us. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.